Welcome to Double Down with Garrett and Mac. That's Audrey Garrett and Jeracy Mack. They're two women with voices that just happen to have sons in the NFL. That means you'll hear about football and motherhood, but you'll never know what you're going to hear next. So let's get this conversation started. Here are your hosts, Garrett and Mac. And welcome to another week of Double Down with Garrett and Mac. This is Jeracy Mac. Audrey Garrett is not going to be with me today. She had a situation that she needed to go handle, but you have heard the voice from day one of the season starting. Every commercial we go to, you hear this man speak. He is now here to join us on the show today. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome Jose Sanchez. Yo! Applause. <laughs> <laughs> where's the applause button? Where's that? <laughs> <laughs> they threw it away doing week two after they heard your commercial so uh, yeah. much. <laughs> but the KC fans out there right now are not applauding. <laughs> the KC fans are applauding. I'm applauding the KC fans. My man, I'm I'm proud of Pat Mahomes and, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Hey, you didn't you didn't get the W, but you went back to back. Sometimes just getting there is, is half the battle. Right, so, right, and uh, obviously last night was a uh, another great day uh, in football. After all this COVID thing, we finally got to play the championship game, and obviously we're proud of Kansas City Chiefs for making it where they made it from. And, you know, again, Jeracy, it shows that uh, you can kick everybody's butt all year, dominate almost every single game, but it's that one game that counts, you know. And personally, I think if if they were to play ten times, I bet you KC would win seven out of those times. And you so, think so? I think so. Uh, but it's one of those games that days that you know different factors came in. And uh, personally, I think uh, the defensive front, which is crazy, because that's what I talked to my nephew before the game. I said it's whoever's going to win in the trenches, and if the defense can dominate uh, like they did, uh, then that's who's going to win. That's going to be the difference. And that's what happened. So uh, it's it's sad because I have friends of mine that are KC fans. Uh, they were all, you know, very happy last year and happy during the year. But that's part of the game. You know, Brady didn't win every time he went to the Super Bowl. And that's so I, I, I think for uh, for Pat that he's he's still on the pathway to be and could be the best one day mm-hmm. if he has a very similar path to, to Tom. But I think for the day. It was Tom's day, even though you like him. And it's kind of great because I have kind of have a love-hate relationship with him, you know. I uh, think uh, everybody does. I hear <laughs> that a lot. Everybody <laughs> says they have a love-hate relationship with Tom Brady. And, and I think it's jealousy or more because, you know, I was quarterback. And and that's the position that we all that play football want to be. Even if you're a big lineman, you want to be quarterback. And he's, <laughs> he's at the top of the game, the best ever. He He's married to a model, you know, and he has <laughs> – boys he has girls i mean he's you know good looking has nice clothes so i mean he has everything you pretty much would want and so i guess that's darn tom brady (laughs) (laughs) how dare he he win the super bowl but but you know (laughs) jeracy one thing that i noticed was the way he was acting during the game and and the way he is he's just so competitive and i partially i haven't seen somebody uh as competitive as him and shown the way he did since probably Mm -hmm. jordan you know, they dominate every, they want to win all the time. They don't care if it's mm-hmm. uh, who can carry the more bags in, in your hands for groceries. It doesn't matter if they can beat you on something simple. They want to win all the time. And I think that's what drive, has him drive. Because it's not about money. It's not about fame. He's already got that. It's about winning. And I think that's what exactly. keeps him on the edge. And um, and that's what he showed again. That's why he's he's the GOAT. Tom Brady. <laughs> that's why he's, and, and my thing was is, um, of course, you know, I love Pat Mahomes. His mom and I have a great relationship. But I was Tom was like, I'm too cool of a cat to let a kid come here and try to rule my house. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I think the mom so. I heard had, had a little, have some little issues about the referees early on. But I don't think it wasn't the referees. It was just, as, yeah. as Pat said at, at his conference, uh, he said, you know, it was their day. They won. I mean, yeah. there's nothing point to it. And it happens. And, you know, he wasn't making excuses mm-hmm. even. Coach Reed wasn't making excuses, and I don't think you can. That's just it was their day, mm-hmm. and is and that's what happened. And 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 again, he has no reason to feel bad. He made it there two years in a row, and he's twenty four years old. I mean, at twenty four, 
it, hey, he's backwards. Tom's Brady age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I he's going to he's gonna go more. He's going to go more. I mean, he's got the capability. Like I said, that's why I like the game because it showed the best quarterback of all time playing against mm-hmm. the potential best quarterback of all time. He has a potential. And it's there. He it's basically, basically going to be his health and and his team, obviously, because if he if he even if he breaks all the records, Tom Brady, Brett uh, Favre, and Breeze, and all them, and only wins one championship, he's not going to be comparable to Brady. And that's what mm-hmm. makes Brady's. He's just a winner. You can be like Dana Marino and have the best statistics, but Marino never won a Super Bowl, and so that's why he's not. Joe Montana did not have a lot of stats, but he had four Super Bowls. And so that's why mm-hmm. they put him in the caliber. And that's why, you know, I'm anxious to see what's going to happen next year with Tampa Bay because they, they're going to be better next year than they were this year. Mm-hmm. And, well, and they're, and they're going to have free agents that are going to be like, I'm going to go play with Tom Brady because we're going to go yeah. to the championship. So they're yeah. going to get the dibs, especially in the offensive line, which they probably need some help on. So they're going to be even better next year. That's what's scary part. Well, everybody knows that I stay as far away from football as I can sometimes, but I could not stop looking at the odds Las Vegas was running. <laughs> I did not understand what any of them meant, but I know somebody was upset because just about everybody had the Chiefs winning. So somebody lost a lot of money last night and somebody <laughs> got real rich last night. Well, yes, I hope obviously the Chiefs were three and a half point favorites and the house was betting on it. And I, I'm anxious to see how bad some of those casinos and sporting sites lost. Uh, I know that Houston furniture guy put $3 million and he won $3 million. Uh, wow. Because so, uh, he beat the spread. I mean, you're talking about 22 points. And I was telling you earlier, Dracy, I have my own little betting things that I do on Super Bowl, but I do more prop bets. Like I did like. Yeah, Gronk had to have three touchdowns. He had two. I was hoping to get a third because if he'd gotten third, I would earn like $350 on a $5 bet. You know, so I put those kind of things or who's going to score the first touchdown or, you know, is the last field goal going to be under 50 yards? I mean, all these little prop bets that happen in these games or, you know, is uh, who won a coin toss and uh, how many times was Trump going to be mentioned during the the game or Biden? <laughs> wow! Or how long was the national anthem? Or what color was the Gatorade they were going to spill? All these little prop bets that I usually bet on during the Super Bowl because it's fun, you know. And uh, uh. I think a lot of people I did those, and uh, I, I didn't come out on the winning side on overall. <laughs> but it's to me, it's more interesting than just betting on the line, saying I'm going to put you know a hundred dollars, and if I win, I win a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean that's. To me, that's not interesting, and but uh, obviously a lot of people mm-hmm. do that. A lot of people lost, and a lot of people won. But at the end of the day, uh, it got everybody involved with that. So, I I've never um, I've never heard about the prop bets. I want to do that next year. I wonder if yeah. I can find somebody that'll let me do well, that. You do next it every, year. You can do it that's, every game. You do it every game. Really? Yeah. I always that's do. Pretty I always neat. do the ones for like the Cowboys um, or the Browns or other teams that I enjoy watching. I will just put who's going to be who's going to score the first touchdown. You know, who's, how many touchdowns is one player going to have? And you can put, you know, it depends on the odds. You can put small amount of money and because the odds are higher. And mm-hmm. so, like, who was the MVP? Like, if Gronk would have won MVP, if he had another touchdown, a couple more yardage, he probably could have gotten the MVP. And then I would have won, like, $600, you know, on a $5 bet. Ah, so, it's I, like, is these high risk? Probably not going to happen. But if they do happen, you're going to hit it big, you know. And so... Those and here you go, players. season 2021, Sanchez and Max betting pool. <laughs> we need some investors. You heard it a, here. We need some investors. Just send the money to me. Follow, you you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the whole deal, the over and under, I, I, I never did get what all of that meant. Yeah, so either. basically like last night was 56 points. That means that total points scored would be over 56 or under 56. And so that's, oh, okay. what, that's what they look at. And so obviously it was under, way under, because it was 31 to um, nine. Nine. And yeah. So, I mean, obviously that's 40 points. So it was way, way under. And so because a lot of people thought that both teams were going to score a lot of points, it was going to be over six, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. So basically you would put whatever the line was. If you put $100, you probably won $100, you know, if, if, if they went under 56 which they did. And so, okay. So one of the things that, um, that I was looking at was 
one in nine. Because when I grew up, everybody played squares. You paid five dollars right, right. a square, and so one in nine won like two quarters. And yeah. I know some people pay twenty five to five thousand dollars a square. So whoever had one in nine probably thought they started out with some <laughs> bad numbers. <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. And they well, ended up doing really good. Well, another good bet that I, I should have put was that Kansas City not score one touchdown, which they didn't. But that's just unheard of for them not to. And mm-hmm. so, but that would have been a big payout as well. You know, so some of these little questionable bets that probably weren't going to happen, but if they do, you're going to hit it big and, and and win some money. So to me, it's fun. Again, it's entertainment, you know. Check with Sanchez and Mac at the beginning of next year's season. We have a <laughs> pot that we're going to run. Look you're at the right. odds. Forget Las Vegas. <laughs> we're bringing it to Texas, baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's something you can do every week, you know, your weekly tips for betting. So. Wow. What do you think about the commercials? Which one was your favorite commercial? You know, it's <clears throat> I watched the commercials with my nephews and you know, they brought back some of the uh the old school music in some of those commercials or or stuff relating to the old school. Uh mm-hmm. you know, like the the Cheetos one. Uh, it wasn't me. But, <laughs> it wasn't me. Yeah, I thought that was I mean, she's beautiful, the girl. That's why I like that commercial, but uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Had the music of an older school and, you know, the whole mm-hmm. had famous actors on there and actresses. So I really thought that one's kind of funny. Um, I really like that. Those um, those phone ones with uh, T-Mobile mm-hmm. about uh, the one that they had about Tom Brady and Gronk. It just the way that, <laughs> you know, you misinterpret things and it happens when people break uh-huh. out, you know, and so it can change the mm-hmm. whole thing on those, but I think they were creative. I think a lot of the big ones stayed out because of COVID or, you know, that we had established ones, Budweiser and their typical ones. Mm-hmm. But I think the ones that did came out, there were some that were really funny and interesting. And so well, how about you, what were some of your favorites? The one that was my favorite was when you can turn Alexis into the person you want it to be. And she made Michael <laughs> B. Jordan. I was like, girl, uh, you got it. I was like, that is it right there. Because, you yeah. know, here in, in our day and time, we call on Alexis for everything. You know, turn right, the lights. Right. It was funny when she said, make it darker in here. And her husband said, make it lighter, Alexis. So <laughs> he was taking off his shirt. So I was yeah. like, okay. I, I was like, wow, like, I can make Alexis whoever I wanted. You know, the voice. Right. You could change, but right. then when you made the, you know, the body, and I like the Eminem commercial. I thought that that was really uh, neat when they were giving the people Eminem to say, "I'm sorry for intentionally pushing you down." Yeah. Um, <laughs> woman, she said, "I'm sorry for calling you Karen." She said, "My name is Karen." She said, "I'm sorry for your name being Karen." <laughs> so, but the 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 lemonade, the Michelob, yeah, Ultra. That's, that I, was that I was, was. I was talking about that. Well, I'm talking about the lemonade one that the, all the limes uh-huh. are falling down. Yes. Um, what they said when you know limes are falling make lemonade. So yeah. Yeah. When life gives you lemon, make lemonade. Exactly. It was like with the year 2020, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I thought that that was a really good commercial too. I thought I liked the lemonade commercial, and. Um, but you know what? Then, uh, when when I was at A and M, and my mark because I was a marketing degree major, we took I took a class on on ads, and we we analyzed that one semester in the spring that everybody was assigned a commercial from the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and so we had to look behind why they created all this technique stuff for marketing. But during that process, they we found out who who what's the best Super Bowl commercial of all time. Do you know what that is? No. It has to be Budweiser or something. Nope. In the studies they've done, in the surveys and whatever, they say the uh, commercial 1984, based on the book 1984, where it's the Apple commercial, where he throws the whole thing into the screen and it breaks the whole screen. It's like, because it goes back to the book of 1984 with the whole Cold War with Russia and everything, but it was Mm -hmm. overall the best made uh, Super Bowl commercial of all time. But Speaking but my favorite but my favorite but my, but my favorite one, Jeracy is the old Clydesdale ones, and when they're playing playing football out there on the fields, uh-huh. those, two, those two ranchers are, are talking to each other, watching these Clydesdale play, and like uh-huh. they, they, they kick that field goal, and they're like, "Do they always do that?" And he goes, "No, they usually go for two. 
So that's one of my favorite yeah. one of all time. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of commercials, Super Bowl, uh, I believe Jose Sanchez had a commercial one year during the Super Bowl. Yeah, several years ago, I got the opportunity to be on a, the regional Super Bowl commercial. So it wasn't nationwide, but it was regional. And uh, mm-hmm. we had, it could only be four seconds. And so we put a picture of me, my building, and in my background, I this what I say said was, you wouldn't believe how much I paid for these four seconds. Because <laughs> <laughs> we only had four seconds. So yeah, so um, I had that opportunity. Hopefully down the road we could do it again. So yeah, that was yeah. interesting. Well, after we get through next this season with our new Sanchez Mac football, you know, <laughs> props. Uh, flushing out uh, Las Vegas and bringing in all of Texas. We'll 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 put our commercial in there. There you go. So, and, and our commercial would be Texas took Las Vegas. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And no, we cool. have no casinos or anything here, but we're gonna we're gonna rule and take over Las Vegas is what we're gonna do. <laughs> so well, Jose, we're coming up on our first break, and after we come back from our break, we're going to ask Jose. He's an immigration attorney, and we're going to ask him to give us an uh, update, and we're going to talk about some of the things that are happening in our country uh, with the DACA, with the DREAM Act, with uh, the children being separated from their parents and how to get them reunited. So hold on. Garrett and Mac will be back with our guest, Jose Sanchez. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hello, I am Jose Sanchez with Jose Sanchez Law Firm. As an aggressive Harvard-educated lawyer for almost 20 years, I have fought for the rights, freedoms, and voices for the people all around the world. Whether it's winning millions of dollars for the injured people or getting not guilty verdicts in the courtroom, I am a success. During the times of hardship, You need an advocate that will fight for your rights and is not scared of the courtroom. Visit my website at attorneysanchez.com and let me be your voice. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. You are listening to Double Down with Garrett and Mac. If you want to make your voice heard, call us during the live show at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mac at gmail.com. Now, back to Double Down. And welcome back once again to Double Down with Garrett and Mac. We're here with Jose Sanchez. He's one of the top immigration lawyers that I know. And so um, I know that y'all have been hearing his commercials uh, since we started our show. But today I brought him in because I want him to talk to us and explain to us what is actually going on with immigration. Because I know a lot of people are lost. And one of the main things is reuniting these kids with their parents. You know, that's that's horrible. And what about when I can't tell you my mommy's name? What happens to me? All right. No, uh, so, Dracy, you know, immigration is a passion for me. I've been a lawyer 20 years, <clears throat> and uh, I'm an immigrant myself, came here without permission to the United States. So I've been through the process, and that's part of the reason I enjoy uh, 
helping people in the same situation. Um, but immigration to me is it's a human to me it's a, it's a human right. It's not really shouldn't be a an American right or or whatever country right. To me, it's a human right, and, and I think it's such an emotional uh, type of law and, and situation that we find ourselves in there, you know, because of immigration. So. Normally what I do and what I do a lot of what's called family immigration, I help people become legal. You can say uh, that come from other countries, either they marry a United States citizen or somebody that already has a, a resident card or a green card, as most people can relate to, uh, or help them become a citizen uh, after they've been a green card holder. And obviously, I know a little bit of some other things, too, as well. And so after four years of probably the worst four years as as being an immigration lawyer under Donald Trump, uh, he he made it really difficult, really strict, really just a life. Uh, it's kind of like kicking the immigrant while he's down. That's what Trump was doing, mm -hmm. pretty much. And so what Biden has done, he's come in and kind of said, "Hey, you know this immigration thing. It, it, it's a human right. We gotta we gotta uh, treat everybody, immigrants, whether they're legal or not legal, with dignity uh, as a human." You know, under Obama, he he of course he deported people. Uh, you know, that was part of the process. And there's people that should be mm -hmm. deported uh, for criminal acts that they do. But uh, these these individuals that are here just because they want to work, they want to provide a, a good job and, and stability for their families. Uh, why are we going to blame them and to come here? And and I think what's hard for our typical Americans to really relate to this issue of immigration is because they can't unless they know somebody personally, like a best friend or an employee mm -hmm. that works for them for a long time that they've developed a relationship, it's hard hard for them to understand how these people and individuals live and where they come from and why they come here. And until you start traveling outside the U.S. and going to some of these countries, you start realizing the way that these individuals work, mm -hmm. live and, and work if they can find a job. So it makes it makes it easier for you to understand why they come here. It's like I, I tell people, ask people all the time, well, what, what would you do if the government had no unemployment benefits, no food stamps, nothing to help you find a job, what are you going to do? How, and you don't have a job and you have four kids. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to do whatever it takes to feed these individuals, these kids to stay alive. And so if that means you have to hike and walk and travel and sneak in the other country because you want to provide the basic needs to your kids, you're going to do that. And so I think it's hard for people to understand that until they, you know, have somebody close by that they can relate to. And that's why I think it's, it's a human issue, you know. What about the fact that a lot of people get angry and upset because they're like, they're living here, they're not paying taxes, we're paying taxes, they're coming in, taking all of our jobs at lower wages. Right. Uh, they come in, they get Medicaid, food stamps, they want to give me $5. You, I, I mean, right. I hear it just well, as much as I'm sure you Right, and, and, and the problem with that is a lot of stuff what you hear on Fox News and other medias that are very right-wing, it's not the truth, uh, Geraci. First of all, under the Constitution, only U.S. citizens and permanent residents that are here legally have a right to get some of these benefits. So these single moms that are undocumented, they don't qualify for food stamps. They don't qualify for all these other benefits. Now, their children who are U.S. citizens qualify for it. So indirectly, obviously, they're going to benefit some from it, but it's not because of them. You know what I'm saying? It's not them directly. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and so uh, so that's not completely accurate. The other thing is you're saying, well, they don't pay taxes, which is not correct. If they, most of them, immigrants rent a house. And so obviously when they rent a house, the landlord has incorporated into the rent the taxes that are owed every year. So they're the ones paying the taxes on that property. Uh, so mm -hmm. they're paying taxes as well. They pay sales tax. When they go by to Walmart, they go anywhere else, they pay the sales tax. It's like you and I do. So it, it's not accurate to say they don't pay any taxes. And the worst one of all is, Tracy, it's like, well, they're taking their jobs. Well, how many Americans do you know are willing to work for $8 an hour uh, mopping and sweeping in the back of a restaurant or working in the fields uh, cultivating in, in the hot sun in California. There's not Americans willing to do that. They're not fighting for those jobs. Sure. And then here's here's the main one that I tell Jeracy is if you look at America, there's 350 million Americans or people that live in the United States, right? And let's yeah. just say 11, 10 million of them are undocumented. Okay. Mm -hmm. How can, and, and then here's what the latest study that I read was like, of the actual work labor, the labor market, people that can work, it's only like three to 5% of those workers don't have documentation, okay? 
So how can that 3% take away the 97% jobs? They can't. It's only 3%. Mm-hmm. And people are making it seem like it's half of the people that here are working or not documented. No, they're not. You're talking about 3%. Such a small what? amount. So why are we going to spend all this money, enforcement, all these things to go after this 3% who want to work and are working? And, and then and then I get mad at my, you know, my buddies and friends that have these arguments saying, well, you're the one that's to blame. You're the one hiring them. You're the ones that want to cheat food. You're the one to cheat product. You don't want the cheap services. You're the one to hire them. How can you say to your, how can you say to the media or say to people, they're taking away our jobs and here you are in, in the meantime, hiring them to clean your house, hiring them to mow your yard, hiring them in your self-employment job because you can have cheap labor. You're the one to blame because it's easy supply and demand. If there's no mm-hmm. supply here, then there's nobody going to come from Mexico to work here. If the employer said hundred percent, we're not going to hire anybody that's not legal. They wouldn't come here because there's no jobs. But that's not cool. that's why we're to blame. Americans are to blame for the problem with these immigrants, not the immigrants. You can't blame them. Well, one of the things that you hear a lot is they pay them cash under the table. Well, if they didn't pay them cash under the table, they wouldn't get, I guess, the cash <laughs> under the table. After after listening to your explanation of what you just gave about right. the fact that that and I know a lot of Americans we have the tendency to say that they're coming here taking our jobs and our stuff and they're not even legal, but who's giving it to them? Exactly. And, and the, the people that, that are able to pay them um, are typically the people that want to hire them <coughs> for cheap labor to, because they can get cheap labor. Exactly. And, and here's the thing. The only way it's going to change, right? And I've had these discussions with, uh, you know, John McCain, the former senator. I've had these with right wing you know, without at Harvard, these policy discussions with them. And, and, and it's like, until we as Americans are willing to pay more for services, are willing to pay more for products because they're made here, they're employed, we employ only Americans or permanent residents that are here legally, until we're willing to live with that, then it's not going to change. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't be blaming these workers that just want to work. And so... It's like, 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 you know, it's like blaming the victim, you know, they mm-hmm. want to blame the victim and they're not the victim, mm-hmm. you know, they just want to work. And so that's the problem. We as Americans want the cheapest thing, the fastest thing, the easiest thing. And, but we're not willing to pay for it. That's like, you know, Biden's new thing is, you know, that he wants to work more on made in America. Let's just manufacture more here. Let's buy here, which I'm in total agreement. And if that means I got to pay as an American, Instead of going to Walmart and buying an ice chest that's uh, $20, I might have to pay $25 or $30 for it, for it to be made in America. I'm willing to do that, you know, mm-hmm. but not everybody's in that same in the same mind frame. And especially if you're low income, poverty level, you can't afford to do that. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And so that's that's kind of the problem we have is I just don't I don't I don't see how they can be blaming the immigrants in such a small amount as well. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like saying in the NFL that 3% of all the athletes um, are on crack. Well, are you going to spend billions of dollars of the NFL money to go after drug rehab when there's only like a small amount? Well, yeah, you can use some money, but it's not going to take all the funding. You're not going to do all these extreme things for just 3%. That's just part of the process. I mean, whatever occupation you're in, there's people that are going to be on drugs. You know, so, so when you say take, I just have know, a problem go. with them being such a small percentage and we're trying to use billions and billions of dollars to keep them away where we should be using that less money. How can we incorporate them into the society? How can we make it better for them? How can we make it better for everybody? Because it's not going to come to the point that there's nothing, you know, that there's no immigrants. That's always going to be around. Well, one could state that we spend the billions of dollars to keep them away because the more they, that people see come in and get to stay, the more that'll start to come. So that, that's, a very, that's a very great um, argument. Uh, the, and that's what Biden is doing. What he's doing is he's taking some of that money and using it in their countries, Guatemala, Honduras. What can we do to help their government or their system? So there's no need for them to come. I'll give you an I'll give you a good example. In Mexico, there's not really that middle class, you know. And so in that mm-hmm. middle class, I think you just froze on me. 
while he's fixing his computer, one of the things that I want to talk about is that so many people are, that's typical what we hear people say, that they get upset, they get angry because they feel like that a lot of them are coming here to our country and that um, they're taking our jobs, they're doing different things because um, they're they're taking our good jobs, they're making people have to, uh, people that, I'm sorry. I'm looking. I'm looking at him, telling him he's still me. Okay, there you go. <laughs> they're taking our jobs and they're making companies not want to pay people more because they know that they can get the labor for less. And so that's that's one of the main things that. Um, well, well, there's that, that's the way you. There's an easy way to cure that, and that's part of the plan. That whatever immigration reform, we can talk about reform in a minute. If there is going to be an immigration reform for all these immigrants, there has to be an element of enforcement going after the employers. Again, you're trying to blame the victim. If you go after the employers and you tell them, because uh, because immigration is a civil in nature, so it's they don't put these employers or owners of these. He he, we lost. He froze again. But um, one of the things is is the employers. They are the ones that typically are wanting the cheap labor and they want to pay people cash under the table. And some of the things that uh, Jose does, I work with him alongside of him, especially when you have to prove hardship and, and show hardship on different cases. And a lot of people come in and they are not legal here. And they talk about not being legal here and them working for cash and they work hard all week. And at the end of the week, they don't even receive their paycheck. So if they work hard all week and they don't receive their paycheck, what happens? They don't have anyone to really go and tell. So some of these companies really are taking advantage of uh of some of the people that are coming over here because they work them hard all week. They promise them that they're going to pay them cash and then they refuse to pay them at all. And so they don't know whether not go back to work that the next week or to go to work the next week. That's one of the issues as well. Jose, you were saying earlier. I think you just froze again. <laughs> so, but that's one of the things that we look at. And a lot of people um, that I work with in looking at hardship is they come here as a child and he's going to talk about when you, when they come here as a child and they come here as a child and they are in the process where they're brought over here when they're two or three years old and they don't know any, they don't know anything else. And then they get caught at 18 or 19 doing something that they were supposed to do. And, they want to send them back. Where are they send them back to? Because they grew up here. They were raised here in this country. This is what they considered their country. They didn't come here by themselves illegally. So that's one of the things that um, I do have an issue with is when parents come in and they come across the border and they bring their children with them. And then at one, two, three years old, and then something happens at 21, 22, and they want to send them back. And so, but Jose, I'll let yes. you finish. Uh, I think we cut out, but um, I'm not really knowing what Tracy was talking directly, but I, I think one of the things she did want me to cover uh, on this uh, episode was talking about these individual kids that are. And guys, I do apologize. Um, we're having some technical difficulties here today, but, um, and one of the things that, he is going to address, and I, we all, I'm sure everybody wants to hear, is what happens with kids that are brought here when they're two and three or just a few months old, and they're here, and they're here all this time, and then let's say they get a DWI or some kind of charge or a theft charge, and then they realize that they're illegal, an illegal immigrant, and they want to send them back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hello, I am Jose Sanchez with Jose Sanchez Law Firm. As an aggressive Harvard-educated lawyer for almost 20 years, I have fought for the rights 
freedoms, and voices for the people all around the world. Whether it's winning millions of dollars for the injured people or getting not guilty verdicts in the courtroom, I am a success. During the times of hardship, you need an advocate that will fight for your rights and is not scared of the courtroom. Visit my website at attorneysanchez.com and let me be your voice. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all of our show archives on demand, all from your iOS, Amazon Kindle, or Android device. Download it from the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. listening to Double Down with Garrett and Mac. If you want to make your voice heard, call us during the live show at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mac at gmail.com. Now back to Double Down. And welcome back to Double Down with Garrett and Mac. We were working on our technical difficulties with Jose. I apologize to everyone, but I think we got everything situated. So while while we're working to get Jose back on the line, um, let's talk about some of the immigration, some of the other immigration stuff. Uh, one of the things is, is right now that they have over 600 kids that still need to be placed back with their parents. Okay. I'm on. I'm on my regular phone. Okay, go ahead, Jose. You're live. So, what was the question? We we're just we're gonna let you talk where you picked up where you dropped off. Oh, okay, I was talking about um, Trump's policy uh, on these children that are at the border uh, that don't don't have their parents. They don't know where they're at. So, what happened is uh, when kids would come through uh, the southern border, and they were from mostly from mostly from Central America. And sometimes they come alone. Sometimes they come with their parents or their uncles or just anybody. And if they were under uh, 18, they would detain them and put them in. And we saw last year uh, all the cages that they did. Mm-hmm. And then when they put them in the cages, uh, a lot of times those children uh, did not know where their parents are. They got separated. And under Obama, what he would do is he would keep the families together at a detention center. You know, they still were locked up, some of them. Some of them were let go. Uh, but what Trump did is like, uh, and under Obama, Obama, what they would do is eventually they would get out. Some family member in the United States would, would sponsor them, you could say, so they can stay at my house and they'd give them their address. And eventually they would have a court date where they'd have to go to court to prove that they're going to get, because uh, uh, their petitions were for uh, asylum, political asylum, because they couldn't go back to the country because they were going to get discriminated, killed, or, or hurt because of the race religion, sex, national origin, or political views. And so those are the only five categories that you could file for political asylum. So what Obama did is eventually they would get out and then they would go to court eventually. Sometimes they wouldn't show up to court. So what Trump did was like, well, 
we're going to keep them detained until they go to court. We're not going to allow them to get out because they're not coming okay. to court. So we're not going to let them out in the first place. So that's what caused all this increase of detention of these families. So obviously within that, there were a bunch of kids that were left alone without their parents, and they don't know where they're at. They don't know where they live. Uh, and so in, in time, some people were, after all these protests and stuff were done, they were allowed to get out. But uh, the last count, I think, was 600 some that they're still don't know where the parents are. This is from 2017, 2018. And so what Biden has done, he passed an executive order basically saying he's setting a task force, and they're going to go one by one with all those kids and try and find their parents. Where are they at? And, and you look at and you think about it, well, it shouldn't be that difficult. But you've got to remember what we're dealing with. Uh, a lot of times during Trump's administration, these parents, even though they knew their kids were detained, didn't want to do something because they themselves were scared that they were going to get detained and get locked up. And so now that Biden has uh, come out and said, no, we're going to help you to get y'all together, then I think that's going to help to get these, uh, these children um, to their parents. Now, obviously, they're older kids. They'll be able to tell a lot to the officers. You know, where they where they think, are they names, addresses, phone numbers, all these kind of things. But the ones that are little kids, obviously they can't they can't do that. And sometimes these kids don't have parents. You know, the parents die, they don't know where their parents are. Maybe they live with grandparents and that's why they came here because they were twelve years old and wanted to start working. Uh so there there are all different scenarios that could have happened because of this. But the main thing that I really enjoy is that Biden has said we're gonna make it a priority. We don't need to have these children locked up, that trading them down uh, you know, treating them like, like animals almost is unhumane. And we need to treat them with dignity and respect. And especially, how can you blame these children? They were not, they had nothing to do with it. You know, the parents might have made the decision to come here, but not the children. So why should you punish these, these children? So, Jose, how, how long are these kids typically staying in, in these situations like this? And if they don't find the parents or anyone, what are they doing with them? So, you know, and, and what's going to happen probably with Biden is, uh, is they're going to make, they're going to try and get all the children out. But sometimes if they have nobody that they can go to, then they'll probably put them in the foster system in the U.S. Um, to try and get them, you know, adopted uh, or put in some safe home or just be with the state. Uh, there is a provision that when they turn 18 um, and there's still no parents and their parents have pretty much neglected them, there is an immigration process, what's called the Special Juvenile Act, where you can self-petition yourself for a green card. And basically, you have to go to family court stating that your parents left you, there's nobody else to take care of you. And then you can ask for the immigration uh, office to get you legal, basically. But it has to be done before you're 21. And so a lot of times they don't know that. There's a lot of nonprofits that are helping these kids. I'm sure they're the ones that are detained to see if they qualify for that specific immigration benefit. And that's when... Uh, when I believe they can take to become legally here in the U.S. So what about if they are in the foster care system and they, they've grown up in there, wouldn't that be automatic that they become a citizen since they've been here and been in the system? Yeah, probably so, because I think they would mainly qualify under that special juvenile act because they've shown they came here before they were 18 and there's nobody to take care of them and parents have abandoned them. And it's just a matter of getting the process to the system. Uh, now, sometimes you know, they don't, you know, sometimes they take off and, you know, there's nothing you can do. Uh, but, um, but what you have to see, and like I said, Biden has made it a priority. I think he just looks bad on the image of the U.S. that they're even doing that and that they're willing to put these children in, in cages or even detention uh, for some civil violation that they allegedly committed. So what about the kids that are, that, parents bring them over um, and they come over illegally, but the parents, they don't get caught. The kids go to school. They do everything. Um, but no one is, no one is legal. And then you have, say the kid has been here since they were two. And then at the age of 21, they get a DWI or some type of charge. And then they want to put a hold on them. Well, how, how do you handle that? Because they basically have grown up here already. Right. And that's a very common um, situation you're talking about. Basically, somebody's afraid here pretty much as American as anybody else can be. The, the mere fact that they don't have legal status because they weren't born here and nobody has filed for their resident card. So in that situation, uh, mainly, if, if you get 
caught for a major criminal crime, they can put you in proceedings to deport you uh, under the immigration law. If you've been here 10 years consecutively, they have no major criminal record and have a child or a parent or a spouse that's a U.S. citizen or permanent resident, you can fight your deportation. Uh, it's through the immigration court. It takes several years, but you have to show, show to the judge that does your case evidence that your, your, um, your household member is going to suffer extraordinary, extreme hardship if they deport you. So it's a high, very high burden, and, and that burden is very hard to reach. If separation alone is not enough. And so those cases take forever. Uh, family usually have to hire a lawyer that probably charge you fifteen, twenty thousand dollars during the whole time. And so it's a very burden for these immigrants when they get in that situation. But at the end that's all you have to fight. But if you haven't been here ten years or you don't have a parent or a child or or a spouse, then you don't even qualify for that. So most of the time you're done you can do, you're just gonna get sent back um, you know, to your country. Now luckily you know, under Obama, they passed the DACA. So a lot of those kids in that situation you're, you're talking about, they came here very young of age uh, or in high school, graduate high school, or uh, are good people. Uh, they don't have major criminal records. They've been able to qualify under the DACA program, which helped these individuals get their uh, social security number, their driver license, and technically they're here legally, but it's not a pathway to citizenship uh, right now. But at least they're out and they're not have to worry about getting deported as long as they behave. Uh, while we wait for some kind of immigration reform under the Biden administration uh, for everybody, but also for these DACA kids to now allow them to have a pathway to become a green card holder or resident or become a citizen. And I think that's something that's going to happen uh, hopefully this year with those those kids. Uh, bills already being introduced uh, last week by uh, Senator Durbin and Lindsey Graham at that bipartisan bill to get these individuals that have DACA a pathway to become citizens. So that's a great first step and. Hopefully that's going to lead us to hopefully a reform for everybody down the road. Okay, so here's my next question. So let's take this these same DACA kids that we're talking about, and they've been here since they were two. They go through the public school systems. How are they able to do that? And the school system doesn't say anything or anything doesn't happen. And then it comes to their senior year, they're 18 and 19, like I said, and they get in trouble and they want to uh, put a hold on them and have them deported or sent back. But they've been in the public school system, so it doesn't, it, it's not a matter of fact of no one knowing that they're not here because they've been reported through the public school system, through the public ed education system. Well, first of all, Georgie, uh, your first question is, they have a right to an education, even though you're not legal. And that was a civil rights case that was filed, in fact, in Tyler, Texas, here in East Texas, uh, because in the yeah. 70s, if you can believe it or not, uh, the same situation was going on. They were saying all these immigrants are coming in, invading our state of Texas. So we're going to pass a law that says if you're not legal, we're going to charge you a surcharge to go to public school if you're not legal. And so it passed the Senate, it passed the House, and it was a bill in Texas. I mean, it actually passed everybody. And uh, eventually the, the NAACP, the LULAC, all these major uh, civil, civil rights organizations got together and sued the, the state of Texas, saying that's unconstitutional, that law. And it went up to the U.S. Supreme Court in a 5-4 in a decision. 5-4 decision in the, in the 81, uh, the court said that um, that, that law was unconstitutional. And in fact, the lawsuit was from Tyler, like I said, in the school district there, that's mm -hmm. where the, the lawsuit was filed. And the court mm -hmm. said that under the 14th Amendment, it says any person has a right to a uh, due process. And under that, that covers person. That is a citizen. And so therefore, the children were entitled, uh, as long as you were physically here in the United States, in Texas, you were entitled to go to free for public school. And so because of that case, it's been able to be uh, used for other uh, immigrant rights issues and cases uh, throughout the years. And so that's why they have a right to do that. So that's why the schools can't not deny somebody uh, to go to the public school. They can't, they can ask for a social security number, but they're not going to have one, but they don't require it to do that. And so that's what happens. That's why they can do that. They can go through school. They can go to college. Now there's, they can't, don't qualify for the federal funded, uh, scholarships or grants and as well as the state grants and scholarships unless the state themselves change that law 
uh, and but uh, they can pursue a higher education and obviously high school. Okay, well that's 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 good, Jose. We're running out of time uh, for today uh, with our technical difficulties, but we definitely want you to come back on the show to talk more about this because I think it's very interesting because the case did come out of Tyler, Texas. Um, I'm aware of it. And that's one of the things that I had a problem or had an issue with is how can you say that you're going to put a hold on them and they went through our entire school system from kindergarten to 12th grade and graduated and have a high school diploma. And so now, um, you want to, to send them back. And I actually had a young lady that worked for me that I love like my child. And I had no idea that she had went through the entire school system and had graduated from college. And she was like, mm-hmm. I don't have my social security number or my driver's license. And I was like, how is that possible? So that's actually what made me research the situation. Well, well I mean, Drake, so, that's me. I mean, remember, I came here without documents. I didn't get into all the 15. So, I mean, that was me as well. So it's, uh, I can relate <laughs> to that situation when you're an yeah. employee. Uh, and that's why that's why these DACA cases have been passed, these laws, because they want to help these individuals. They're an asset to the country. They produce more than they get because they're mainly going to be college educated, high school educated, and they'll have a good jobs and eventually going to probably be taxpayers. So obviously we want to keep them in the system. Exactly. And I totally agree. Well, Jose, we definitely want to bring you back on the show Hopefully we won't have right. the technical difficulties that we've had, but we have truly enjoyed listening to you uh, The break from the beginning with the football to the end with learning more about our kids that are being right. educated in the school system. So for, for right. our Double Down listeners, thank you for joining us for another week. Uh, keep my co-host and her family in your prayers. <laughs> keep um, all of us in your prayers. I pray that God put his loving arms around you so no danger or harm can come upon you and your family. We pray for those that are bereaved families and that are grieving. <laughs> and we thank you for joining us for another week of Double Down with Garrett and Mag. Be blessed, everybody. been listening to Double Down with Garrett and Mac. Be sure to join Audrey Garrett and Jeracy Mac again next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again next week. These days, everyone is looking...